the canine condition. Come, sit, stay. Welcome to season two of the Canine Condition Podcast. I am your host, Jackie Pignol. Each episode is a conversation with a trustworthy dog rescue organization or animal welfare advocate that will leave you inspired and empowered. This is the why, where, and how to adopt or help a canine family member. The goal is to save homeless dogs and set you up for success with information and resources to raise and keep a healthy and well-balanced dog. Embark on this journey with me, and let's save humans' best friend together. Do you love puppies? Have you ever held a puppy or played with one? If you have, or even if you haven't, I will tell you that they are so yummy and so much fun to play with and to snuggle with. And all those yummy puppies grow up and eventually become senior dogs. According to veterinarians, any dog seven years or older is considered a senior, even if its lifespan is 15 to 18 years old. And although I try to be very understanding of people facing extraordinary circumstances, such as a pet owner's death in the family, or loss of employment, or eviction, all reasons for which sometimes people must rehome their dogs or turn them into a shelter, the age or size shouldn't make them any less yummy or cuddly. Yet many people do give up on their dogs simply because they are senior dogs. Some people won't adopt them because they are, quote, senior dogs. Every dog matters, no matter what age they are. But when a senior dog who has known a home and a family is surrendered or given up on by the only home or family they have ever known, it is truly heartbreaking. We are very lucky to find people who actually devote themselves to creating and operating nonprofit dog rescue volunteer organizations that save as many senior dogs as they possibly can to safely rehome them, even though they cannot always save them all. My guest on the podcast today is the founder and executive director of Lily's Legacy Senior Dog Sanctuary, Alice Maine. She is here to share with us why it is so gratifying and sometimes even life-changing to adopt a senior dog. Welcome to the Canine Condition Podcast, Alice. Thank you, Jackie. I'm so glad to be with you. Absolutely. It's always wonderful to find out about more dog rescue organizations, and in this case, one that is a sanctuary and dog rescue organization. So I'm very, very interested and excited to talk about our senior dogs. Lily's Legacy Senior Dog Sanctuary really speaks to my heart, too, because I now, among my pack, have three senior dogs. They all have totally white faces, somewhere between 10 and 15 years old. So I love them. Uh, with every fiber of my being. And I want to hear how you founded and why you founded Lily's Legacy Senior Dog Sanctuary. Well, it's an interesting story. I had been doing volunteer work with Golden Retriever Rescue for many years, and I had been doing fostering and, you know, adopt adoptions in the whole nine yards. And then I went and rescued a girl, a little girl named Lily from the Sonoma County shelter here in California. And she um, was about 12 or somewhere between 12 and 14. She had a lot of health issues and she just was the sweetest thing. She just was an, she was an amazing creature. She just touched everybody's heart the minute they met her. And so I took her home and she um, was only with us until March. She had a whole host of health issues during that time. She had bloat and we got her through that. She had a couple of seizures and we got her through that. 
And then finally, she ended up with a blood disorder that we couldn't we couldn't get her past. So it was a you know very short but very rewarding and very heartwarming interaction with her. And and frankly, that's what she wanted me to do. There was a after she passed away, the day after she passed away, it was sort of like being hit on the head with a baseball bat. That's why she come. You know, she was really wanting somebody to take it, take over and find a place in California where there could be a large breed senior dog rescue because the large breed seniors are the ones that are most at risk in a shelter. That's true, actually. Now that you mention it, it is for large breeds. What are the types of dogs that you take in to your sanctuary? Well, our criteria is dogs that are seven years and older and 50 pounds and heavier. And we have Labs and Goldens and German Shepherds and Rottweilers and Mixes and Great Danes and you name it, we've had almost all of them. The only criteria that we really have because we are a sanctuary and our dogs interact a lot is that they need to be dog friendly. We, we don't have an area where we can isolate dogs that are dog aggressive. So we have to, we have to, you know, be sure that we have a dog coming in that is dog friendly or that can get to be dog friendly pretty quickly. Okay. And let me ask you, I mean, this might seem like a silly question and I, sometimes I just can't wrap my head around the answer, but where and how do so many senior dogs end up needing new homes? Well, there's a myriad of reasons that happens, Um, particularly during the COVID time. There have been several, you know, lots of people that have lost their homes, lost their jobs, just couldn't afford to take care of their dogs. And sadly, we've we've taken in, you know, a fair number of those. We had one particular incident where this guy had had wonderful gentleman had had three dogs for their whole lives. They were seven, nine and 11. And he'd lost his home, he'd lost his job, he'd lost everything, and he couldn't, he just couldn't handle them. And so he brought them to us, and we actually were able to adopt them out to a to one person, to a family, or a woman, a single woman who is just a huge dog person, and those dogs are just living the most incredible life now. And she's in touch with their former owner, so it's just a really, that, that's kind of the story, those are the kind of stories that really, you know, keep you going in the, in the dark times when you think, oh my gosh, all these dogs are out there needing help. Right. So you take owner surrenders as well as taking dogs from local shelters? Yes, we do take dogs from shelters. Petaluma, California. Give us a layout of the land or what is it like there and how many shelters are you directly exposed to or pulling from in any one time? Well, we take dogs from all over California. So we will take a dog from any shelter in California. Oh, okay. As long as the transport and the dogs can, you know, can get here and we have enough information about them. We also take take surrenders from all over the state. We don't take dogs from outside of the state because we're a small rescue and um, there are plenty of dogs in California to keep us full, you know, 99% of the time. Sometimes there's a little bit of lack when, you know, a couple dogs get adopted and the new one hasn't come in yet. And there are a lot of people that just unfortunately decide that their dog's old and they don't want to take care of it anymore. And that's that's the really heartbreaking story. Right. And besides them being senior dogs older than seven years old, I assume you take in medical cases and dogs that at that age maybe haven't had proper dental care or are battling cancer? Are are there serious medical cases that also cost a lot of money so you have to raise funds if you commit to the dog? Absolutely. Yeah. We have had dogs with heart disease. We do a dental on probably 80% of our dogs because most of them, some of them have as many as 10, 11, 12, 13 teeth pulled during a dental. And that's a huge, huge deal in terms of their health and getting them back to health. We've done... Um, you know, a lot of our dogs still need to be spayed or neutered. 
We have done leg amputations. We have done spleen removals. We have done joint replacements. We've done hip replacements. There, there are a lot of things. I mean, once we get a dog, they get a really thorough physical. And if it's a dog that we can help medically, we do everything we can to get that dog as, as healthy as possible. Right. And so when people are looking to adopt uh, an older dog and a dog from your sanctuary, they'll know that medical history. They'll know what you've done for the dog and any potentials. Or do people sometimes have adopt a dog and say, okay, I am aware that they will need insulin for the rest of their lives or they're incontinent, things like that? Absolutely. We, we are full, full disclosure. Uh, all our vet records are faxed over or emailed over to the, the adopter's vet, sometimes ahead of time. Sometimes they want their vet to look at it before they adopt the dog. And some people, you know, say, I can't take on that kind of medical expense. And so they don't adopt the dog. You know, we really feel like these dogs need, our goal is to put these dogs in homes where they're going to stay for the rest of their lives. So they're not going to go through any more trauma. They're not going to be homeless again. They're not going to be sick again. They're going to be well cared for and loved. And so, you know, we are very careful about matching up our dogs. So it's the right dog for the family and it's the right family for the dog. Okay. And when we say sanctuary, obviously I picture just kind of like heaven on earth, really. So, and I've seen <laughs> pictures on your site and I see them running out in the field and it's so beautiful. Talk to us about the location and the grounds at Lily's Senior Dog Sanctuary. We are so blessed, Jackie. We had a supporter that called me about six years ago and said, Alice, we're going to help you buy a place. It was like winning the lottery. I mean, this is just, this kind of thing just doesn't happen. It's amazing. Wow. Well, we have a beautiful five-acre property. We have a barn that is set up as a dog barn, and it has the runs has runs in it that are all good-sized runs. All of them have indoor-outdoor access for the dogs. It's all open, so half of the run of the barn is dog runs and kitchen area for fixing food and that sort of thing, doing laundry. And the other half, which it's open to, is like a living room. It's got couches and bed, dog beds and tables and chairs. And it's it's just like being in your own living room. And so we are staffed 24-7. We okay. have active volunteers to care for the dogs on site from 7 in the morning until 7 at night. And then there are people that live on site so that the dogs are covered at night in case something happens. So there's, you know, we have both probably have 40 to 50 volunteers that take shifts during the week. And then we also have cuddlers and the cuddlers come and cuddle with the dogs. That's their job. They sit on the couch and read a book and pet the dog. And yeah, it's wonderful. So we're really, and we have, we have three big fields where they can run. We had someone donated above ground pool so they can have aqua therapy when the weather's warm enough. We're really blessed. Really, really blessed. (laughs) It sounds amazing. And cuddlers, just to my listeners, if anybody's out in the Petaluma, California area, please reach out to Lily's Legacy Senior Dog Sanctuary and spend an afternoon, you know, um, get approved as a volunteer just in case you're in the area. Right, Alice? I mean, I would love to do that. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Well, the volunteers get one level of training and the cuddlers get another level of training. So the volunteers can do a lot of things the cuddlers can't do, but the cuddlers, and the cu- volunteers cuddle too. When all, when all the chores are done, they get to cuddle, but the uh, cuddlers just have to cuddle. That is so great. And how many dogs do you have at any one time or, or is, does the area allow for that you're comfortable with holding? We have, we have up to 15, but usually it's 12 to 14. 
and we have um, we do have a few fosters. We don't do have a lot of fosters, but we do. We have some hospice fosters, so we have we do do hospice care, and we have several fosters that take care of our, that do our hospice dogs. And I live on the property, and I have several dogs that live with me that are permanent residents. Oh yes, so that's another thing. You know, when we when we think of a sanctuary, we think, oh, the dogs, that's where they go forever. And what I love with your organization is that sanctuary means two things. Dogs can live there until they are adopted or they live there the rest of their lives if they're not adopted. The ones that are not adopted, is it because you don't make them adoptable due to medical issues or is it because the right family just hasn't come along so they're welcome to stay there all of their life? It can be either, frankly. Yeah, it could be either. And rarely do we have, we rarely have dogs that, that are just not adopted because the right family hasn't come along. Um, generally, it's because of medical medical needs. They may not be hospice kind of medical needs right away, but they're care medical needs that people, that the right family hasn't come along that can, can manage the care. Okay. And what is the biggest obstacle for you in the work that you do, would you say? Being sure that, you know, that the dogs are getting everything that they need. Um, deciding which dogs we can take and which dogs we can't. The hardest thing we have to do is say no to a dog. That's really just heartbreaking when we have a dog that we look at and we say, you know, we just can't help that dog. And we do always try to find a place um, for the dog, you know, in terms of recommending other places that they can, the people can go and look or other places the um, shelter can go and look. So, but that's that, I think that's the hardest thing is having to turn away dogs. Part of that is, you know, just particulars with the dog about why they wouldn't be a good fit here. Because like you said, they do get to run free and spend outdoor time together and play with one another. But if if even behavior is an issue, then that's something that's going to not yeah. allow them to come. I, mean, I see we, that. We take on behavior issues, but we don't take on heavy duty aggression issues. We just aren't staffed with people that have the knowledge to do that. And we have two or three volunteers and a cuddler at, every, at a morning shift and an afternoon shift seven days a week. It may or may not be, that, you know, there, there are some people that come twice a week, but most people come once a week. So that's a lot of interaction for the dogs with people that they don't know. And we have certainly protocols where we'd like the dogs to be managed in a certain way so that they're get, not getting mixed signals. And that's part of the training of being a volunteer at Lily's. But, um, you know, not all our volunteers have the same level of, of dog skills. So we have to be careful about, you know, making sure that all our dogs are safe in terms of interaction with each other, meaning each other, the dogs, dog to dog interaction. Right. That makes total sense. And also because I'm sure you get applicants who have other dogs and are going to add another dog to their family or at least dogs that are going to come into their home and that are will already used to be used to being with people and other dogs. I mean, that helps them. It's kind of like the foster situation, why being in a foster home helps them acclimate to a new environment easily. Yeah. Yeah. We try to get as close to being in a home as you possibly can get without actually being in a home. We do get to know our dogs really well, and that really helps in placing them in the right homes. Okay. And can you tell us a, a rags to riches type story? I always love to hear those that, you know, you you saved a dog, you you didn't know what was going to come along the journey. And when you saw the, the end result, it's like this happy new beginning that just kind of brings you to tears in a way. Yeah. One of, one of our best saves was a dog that was a German shepherd named Barkley. And he came in probably in 2016, I would guess. He came from the streets of one of the less savory areas in, in uh, the East Bay of California, of, of the Bay Area. And he was 
15 to 20 pounds underweight. He had skin sores all over his body. He had no hair on his body except for on his head. His nails were so long that he could barely walk. I mean, he was a mess. He spent probably six weeks at the vet getting his skin cleared up and taken care of um, because it was just a daily exercise that needed veterinary care, not, not, you know, people care. And then he came back to Lily's and we started putting weight on him. You know, we fed him three times a day and we gave him a lot of exercise. He could build up his muscles and he put on his, so I think Barkley now weighs about 105 (gasps) and he is the most magnificent animal. That he, oh. There's actually a picture, I think, on the website of a couple of our dogs running across a field. And Barkley is the German Shepherd in that picture. And he is just a gorgeous, gorgeous dog. And he went to live with a family who um, lived on 40 acres in Sebastopol, which is a really nice area here. They've now moved to a smaller property, but they still have acreage. Uh-huh. And he's just king. He was king of his mountain and he still is. And he's doing fine. And he has... He lives with a cat who gets along fine with. Oh my goodness. He's, you know, got a beautiful, huge fenced area. I don't mean a fenced dog run. I mean, the property is fenced. So he has dog doors on the front house and the back of the house and he and the cat can come and go when they want. And he's loved and cared for and happy boy. Oh, I love that. And you know, that's one of the things I would like my listeners or anyone who shares this podcast episode with friends or family to consider is that just because a dog is in the senior category or is seven years or older doesn't mean it's at the end of its life. You could easily have another seven to 10 years of life with that dog, right? With Barkley, yes. Yes, you could. Not 10, but you probably, he'll probably, he'll probably make it at least seven. Right. And that's the thing, you know, that's, that's a long time. That's a big commitment. It's, it's a lot of years of joy and what you're giving that dog, you're getting more from what they give you than what you give them. In in my humble opinion, I just feel like my senior dogs, I've rescued them. I have them now. Gosh, I, Dublin is almost 14 and she was maybe, maybe one to two when we rescued her. She's kind of a pit bull, wow. great Dane mix. And, um, Man, she is my soul dog. Let me tell you, that dog has taught me things and gone on trips and and we've just journeyed through life in a way that has opened my eyes to so much. And I think when we rescue, when we adopt these beautiful older dogs, it's they take a piece of your heart. Yes. And I understand why people sometimes, Alice, I'm sure you get the, oh, well, you know, if they have not too many years to go, it'll be heartbreak. But not taking that chance on that experience, I think is more heartbreaking to me. I agree with you. And, you know, you don't have any guarantees with any dogs. Young dogs get get sick and die too. And we have people that adopt 14-year-old dogs that they know have cancer and are going to be alive for six weeks or six months or a year. And they still, you know, want to give that dog a good end of life. And the thing that I have learned the most from these dogs and is such a good lesson for everybody is gratitude. These dogs are all so grateful. It just comes out of every pore in their body. And it's just an amazing experience to to, to see the gratitude from these dogs. They give us a whole lot more than we'll ever give them. And I've heard that from other friends who now have senior dogs. And now that I've experienced it, I know what they're talking about. For so long, obviously, my dogs were all younger. They were all probably adopted from the age of one to two and on. And so now I'm in that stage where three of them are seniors. And I go, aha, that's what my friends were talking about. There is a connection and a love and a gratitude and a settling in their eyes. And 
it just feels like home, you know? So I know that it'll be heartbreaking for me to lose them one day, but I am a much better person and my life is so much richer for having them. And um, I really encourage anyone out there thinking of, of getting a dog to consider the dogs that are older, because as Alice was saying, you know, they have years to live and you kind of know what you're getting a little bit more. Can you talk to us about that, Alice? Maybe the how much easier could it be adopting a healthy senior dog versus a puppy? Well, a healthy senior dog is likely to be housebroken. They're through the puppy, you know, tearing things up stage. They're through the running away stage for the most part. They're through the digging stage. They're not, you know, you don't have to watch them 24-7 the way you do a toddler. I mean, you know, young dogs are like toddlers. And you, particularly large young, large dogs when they're young are, you know, they first of all are toddlers and then they turn into teenagers. <laughs> it's a lot of work. <laughs> that is true, actually, because I've been through all those stages with mine. And now I'm yeah. finally like, oh, everybody's so mellow and chilled, but they're obedient and they're still excited. My 14 year old, she runs like a maniac in the backyard. She loves to go hiking. I mean, you know, they're unstoppable. It's about the kind of the quality of life that we give them really makes them have more energy and excitement in their older years as well. Yeah, absolutely. One of the other things that I'd really like to point out too, is that the families, the fam, some of the families that have adopted our dogs that have had children that are anywhere from six to 16 or 18 or something, have all come back to me and said, you know, this was such a good experience for our kids in learning how to care for the elderly, have respect for the elderly, learn about gratitude and the things that these older dogs can teach us. And they said, you know, we, they wouldn't have learned that from a puppy. Right. Oh, that's so beautiful. I love hearing that. Um, and I want to shift now to talk about an event or that you founded, that you started once you had Lily's Legacy Senior Dog Sanctuary, which is Saving Senior Dogs Week. I love the concept. I want you to tell me all about it and how our listeners can partake and give back uh, during Senior Dog Week. Well, Saving Senior Dogs Week is a is a concept that I've been noodling for a couple of years, and it's really a two, I mean, it, it, we do try and raise money for the rescues that participate, but it's really an effort to educate the public about senior dogs and to um, build a collaboration among the senior dog rescues in the United States. There are only probably 50 or so senior dog rescues, and there are like 14,000 rescues in the country, so... Wow we're really underserved. And so part of this is an education process and hopefully to motivate people to start senior dog rescues, but also the collaboration. Uh, we get calls from all over the country about people can, you know, can you help us both from shelters and individuals? Can you help us with this dog? So I wanted to have a resource to go to where I knew something about the rescues that were, that were in their area and I could give them a way to find out who they were easily so Saving Senior Dogs Week started in 2019. We had 10 rescues that participated and a bulk of them were from California because there happened to be more senior dog rescues in California. Oh, okay. State than there are in any other state in the country, I believe. But nonetheless, we had some from other parts of the country too. And then the next year we had 17 and last year we had 27. And so we're really growing, which is great. Um, it's been very, very well received. And it also pretends that now now it's been so that people continue to donate all year round. It's the last week of October. And the the monies that are raised get divided equally among the participating rescues. 
75% of it gets divided equally, 25% goes into a grant fund to help the smaller rescues with medical bills and anybody that wanted to start a senior dog rescue if they needed some seed money once they got their 501c and they were really viable to get into the you know business for lack of a better word we have we have the grant fund and um, it's been a wonderful resource. We have a website that's savingseniordogsweek.org and people can go to that and they can, you know, go to the rescue tab and they can see the rescues that are all over the country and there are links to those rescues. So if they're in Georgia, there's a link. If they're in Florida, there's a link. If there are two, if there's in Missouri, we have people in Missouri. I mean, you know, it's all over the country. And we, we're hoping this year that we'll have well over 30 rescues participating. Oh, I love that. So it's week in October, did you say it was? The last, the last week in October. Yeah. Okay. Okay. In great. And I'm going to add that link to the to the show notes of this episode, so it'll be easy to click on and read all about this event and how people can give back. If people don't live close to you or can't volunteer in person, what are some other ways that people can volunteer or give back to your sanctuary? Certainly, we can use help with just word of mouth talking about it. We have a Facebook page. We have an Instagram page. We have a Twitter page. Uh, we have a very, and we, I think, uh, TikTok too. I don't do the social media, but we have a wonderful volunteer who handles that. And she does an amazing awesome. job. And the links to those are on our website. So, um, you know, participate on that, spreading the word about Lily's legacy. Uh, donations are always appreciated and that can be done online or by check. Supplies, sometimes some supplies we can use, some supplies we can't, depending on what it is and where we whether we need it. We have a wish list on our website. Oh, great. I was do. going to ask you, actually, maybe yeah. it's better to check out a wish list so people don't buy things that, like you said, you can't use or, yeah. you know. Yeah, we do have a... Uh, you know, a, a, as I say, a wish list and people can do can do that. We do feed certain foods, so we don't want just random food set in. Senior dogs have queasy tummies and you can't change their food all the time. So we have a, you know, sometimes we have to set, feed a special food, but in the meantime, we have a specific, you know, range of foods that we use. Okay. Okay. And that's really, really important to know. And, you know, on that note, what would you say to people who have dogs who are getting older or entering this life stage where things are going to slow down for them, or they're going to see certain changes in potential, you know, eyesight or hearing, you know, they start to get little lumps and bumps, maybe they're benign, but what would your advice be to dog owners to try and prevent people from surrendering their animals or giving up on them in their older age? Well, that's a very personal thing, Jackie. So it's, you know, it, it depends on what their circumstances are. I mean, certainly people have to surrender because they get older themselves and they can't, you know, they're physically or health-wise can't manage them. Mm -hmm. There are rescues that have lifetime care programs where you can make arrangements to have your dog go to them. In fact, we have one in, in the event something happens to you. Oh, you tell me, what is that? It's a lifetime care program and we, we meet the dog and we assess the dog and make sure that they're Lily's dog and they, you know, make a donation to Lily's to help support the care of that dog. And they keep the dog until a time comes when they just want to be sure that if, if something happens to them, either they get sick and have to go into the hospital or they pass away or whatever, that their dog is not going to be, you know, out there with no place to go. Wow. And I love that concept. Yeah. The other thing that we try and do is have people think about family members that can take their dogs. And, and in terms of the dog's health, it's just really important as they get older to be sure they're getting good regular veterinary care, that they're 
you know, their vaccinations are up to speed, that their teeth are taken care of, um, that any lumps that they have are checked to be whether or not they're cancerous. Then vets can do an aspiration, which is pulling some of the cells out with a needle and send it off to pathology lab. And in most cases, they can tell one way or another. Um, we do a lot of x-rays. We do a lot of ultrasounds to find out, you know, what's going on inside a body of the dogs. And um, sometimes we end up now having to do a surgery. We have a dog right now who's about 10 and she's very healthy, except she's got something going on with her liver and it's operable, but we did an ultrasound to find out what it was. We don't know for sure whether it's malignant or not, but it's definitely seriously problematic, malignant or not. So she's going to have the lump removed next week, actually. Oh, wow. And for those type of needs, do you run fundraisers on social media or do you have monthly donors that um, help cover these costs? Because I imagine the medical bills can be pretty costly. Our vet, our vet expenses, and we have a phenomenal vet that I personally have been working with since 2006. And then he's actually on our board of directors and his office has a whole program for our dogs, which is we're really blessed to have that situation. And we get very good discounts. But nonetheless, our vet bills is probably our major, you know, our major expense. We do sometimes do fundraisers for a specific dog. We we really, really appreciate us, you know, sponsor a dog, uh, monthly donation. And a lot of people do that. And they can either name a specific dog or they just sponsor any dog that needs, you know, that needs help. Okay. And that's something that I would like to just put out there. I know that for me, sometimes there's five or six dogs and I want to help them all and I can't. And I just feel like, well, maybe I'll just spread it. So if I only have a hundred dollars, I'll say, can you just put this toward any of the dogs, whoever has the greater need, or if the rescue has needs overall for the dogs, I guess I just make it a general donation. But sometimes there's, like you said, you can sponsor. And, and I've done that. I've done that for heartworm positive dogs, because I know that that can be costly. And, you know, if it's not something that's deadly, but if you don't take care of it and it's so easy to heal, it is deadly, you know? So I'm a big proponent of of helping sponsor dogs. There's a lot of people out there who might not have the time or the, you know, the space to take care of a dog or adopt one, but maybe you can virtually adopt. And I'm just putting it out there. If you want to help uh, Lily's legacy senior dog, you know, fall in love with one of their dogs and maybe, you know, you can just keep in touch with the rescue and, and offer a monthly sponsorship and find out about the doggy's journey until he or she gets adopted. It's something I was just thinking about because I love the senior dog. Alice, they touched my heart in so many ways. They're special creatures, really they special creatures. Are. So I will have the live links in the show notes for the episode so anyone can easily click and connect with Lily's Legacy Senior Dog Sanctuary. And it'll be to Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and their website. Also one so that you can check out Saving Senior Dogs Week. Um, I absolutely love that. And closer to October, we'll be sure to put, put up some posts on our pages to remind you guys that that's coming up. And then our listeners should also know that I am not getting paid to advocate for any organization or individual on this podcast. I choose to interview guests from organizations that I know are doing the good work for dogs and for people across America. America. Alice, thank you for helping our lovely senior dogs and um, giving them a second chance and also educating, you know, humanity about why we should and can help these dogs and adopt them and make them a part of our family. Thank you, Jackie. We really, really, really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you and to, as you say, educate and get the word out about all these wonderful creatures out there that need homes. 
absolutely. So please reach out to Alice, check out their social media pages and take a chance on a senior dog one day. Maybe you're not ready today. Maybe not this year. Fine. But think about it. And if you have current dogs that are not seniors yet, when they do become seniors and you look into those eyes, I think you'll understand why you would definitely adopt a senior dog. Thank you, Alice. Thank you, Jackie. To all you dog lovers, especially senior dog lovers, I hope this episode has inspired you to give back or do something to help other dogs who find themselves homeless, abandoned, or unwanted in their older years. Maybe you have a Lily in your life who will motivate you to take action in the smallest of ways to make a difference for a senior dog. It is detrimental to the cause to support organizations like Lily's Legacy Senior Dog Sanctuary because when these beautiful souls don't find a forever home again and are not adopted, there are places, beautiful places like this sanctuary who love them and keep them safe and healthy all the days of their life. And if you ever found yourself not able to care for your dog, I know you would want a place like Lily's Legacy to take a chance on your dog and make sure that he or she could live a safe and happy life. Thank you for joining me for this conversation dedicated to all senior dogs and their families. Please subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend. That simple action may actually help save a senior dog somewhere out there. Until next time, hang on to those leashes. The canine condition. Come, sit, stay.